0: How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam session. Today's guest is Edgar Butler Jr. who's a seasoned leader with a background in the insurance industry. Edgar is also a leadership and employee development coach and author of Clarify, Construct, and Control Your Career. Edgar, welcome to the Jam Session. Good morning, Rob. Thank you for having me. And are you ready to jam? I'm ready to jam. Well, I'm looking forward to this discussion because you and I have some similar backgrounds in terms of our journey. Why don't you share your leadership journey and how you started out? Again,
1: thank you, Rob, for having me here. Definitely excited about the conversation this morning. I started years back working in a warehouse that I think really shaped my leadership journey. Now, it didn't start in the warehouse. I was actually fired from the warehouse, but it taught me some things, one, about myself and the character of leaders. What makes a great leader? What what makes a great work environment, which is at some point really established by the leader? And so working in a warehouse for really about 12 to 13 years back in in Lakeland, Florida. That's one of the places I would say was training ground that really established what my leadership would come to be years later. And I did about, again, 13 years in the warehouse. And for me, that was shaping, I guess, the work ethic for one, but also some character. (laughs) As you know, being in the warehouse, it's a different environment there. And one of the things I always remember is getting up, in the morning, four or five o'clock in the morning, five, six days a week, 10, 12 hour days of physical labor. That statement will always be there because again, that really shaped some of the work ethic as well as the character. But being in the warehouse and being fired from there and then going over to another warehouse, I had really learned lessons about myself. And so getting another opportunity after being fired, it just allowed me to be able to say like, my journey is not over, but I do have to make the most out of the opportunities that I receive. So I went to another warehouse and I said, hey, how long before I can start putting in for leadership? It's in six months. In seven months, I was in leadership. Wow. Because I had learned again, like for me and then also how to best position myself. So all of that took place before I actually got into the corporate environment, which at that point it was building my career over again and then getting back into leadership and still making mistakes. Uh But I learned a lot along the way. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important for me to give back now to new leaders, as -hmm. well as just employees, which I like to say team members, team members in general, to be able to help them establish their career, reach success, maybe by avoiding some of the pitfalls and some of the challenges that I faced.
0: Yeah. It truly is like, humble beginnings, right? In terms of where you are today and how that journey shaped and molded you. And we'll definitely get into the story around how you were fired, because I know you use that as an inspirational story as well. But to go back to the warehouse, and many people out there don't know this, but I too started out in a warehouse as a temp picking and packing boxes. And it does give you, I, I think, just a different appreciation as I reflect back, where I just Don't take anything for granted. Even just the little things that most people don't even realize, unless you were in in the kind of roles we were in, in terms of even like interviewing for other roles, you had to like study on how to type to get into an office job from the warehouse, right?
1: Yes. I'm having flashbacks now, (laughs) but being in the warehouse, it wasn't a lot of typing. You know, it was using a stand gun and packing things. So it was more physical. And so- When I had the opportunity to interview, to get into a corporate environment, it was, oh, okay, so now I have to go in and take a typing test. And I'm like, I don't really do a whole lot of typing in the warehouse. And man, what am I going to do to help me get beyond this barrier that I said that I had for myself? And so I would go home every day and I would do free typing tests online. And just trying to get my skills up. And and so I was like, okay, I don't know what the number is supposed to be, but I'm timing myself and I'm okay. I'm getting a little bit better, a little bit better. I may be like in the twenties or so. And so when I went in to go do the actual test, I'm like, I got to give it all I have with just these two fingers. To be honest with you, I didn't leak the number of the role <laughs> that I was going in for. That's the, the interesting part. It was, hey, I did my best and it, they were like, well... Your typing didn't necessarily meet the number, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh man, like maybe I should have, maybe I should have did a pre-typing test online before I came in." But they Uh were like, "Well, it's it's just something about you. We think that you would be great for the organization." So it was an opportunity that was given, but it is—it's a different environment of transitioning from mainly production and warehouse and into the corporate
0: environment. Yeah, I know there's people listening right now, especially the younger generation sitting there thinking, what are these two talking about? (laughs) Right? I mean, the reality is we weren't born with a laptop or a keyboard in our hands. We didn't really have computers to that extent. And these were the things that we had to worry about. Now, I didn't have to take a test, but it was one of my main anxieties of like, am I going to be able to keep up? I never had to like, work on a computer before, or even like I had to like go and get uh, new clothes, wear a tie. And how do I even know what to use and, or what to shop for? It was crazy. But anyway, you know, as you said, right, it is labor intensive and there is that work ethic there. When I transitioned into an office environment, I felt like I had to continue to keep proving myself. Yes. Right. And just keep yep. learning. And so definitely appreciate your story for sure. Looking at your journey and you know, it's great that that you got into the leadership, right? You had a goal six months and seven months you were in, in a leadership position. We know that the first year of managing is a struggle and we all make mistakes. What was your biggest struggle or maybe the biggest mistake you made in the first year?
1: Well, I don't think people really think of it when we're getting into leadership that it's not that you're just leading a group of people that all have the same mind and everybody's going in the same direction. Especially if you're bringing in newer people to your team, there's a difference between having an established team that has been maybe with the organization for a while that kind of understands how things go within the organization. But it's different when you're bringing in and mixing in people that are coming in brand new to the organization and now having to learn maybe some of the way things are done within this organization. So they may be bringing in, if you want to say habits or things that they did prior to coming into this organization. Maybe it was okay to do this and maybe this was off limits, but this was okay. And so now you're bringing in all of these different personalities with different backgrounds and that can create success, right? Because we're looking for people to add to the environment But it can also be somewhat of a challenge because of the fact that now we're bringing in certain things that may not necessarily be the norm or be the bar for this organization. So one of the examples that I use is that, okay, maybe it was okay to show up late, right? at the other organization that you work for, maybe no one said anything, or maybe you had a certain amount of time that you can actually be late before anything is said. Well, this organization may not be the same way. So that was my biggest thing of coming in and not really understanding that I'm bringing in different personalities that have different backgrounds and different experiences. And I just came in thinking everybody was on the same page already, ready to go. Like the kit was already made. I didn't have to put in anything. We're ready to go. All I have to do is just come in and lead. And that was my biggest mistake because I had people that I was actually working in this warehouse in my whole time I grew up in. So I actually had people that were on my team that I may have went to school with. Oh, really? And so now, okay, they're looking at, oh, well, that's Edgar, right? That's Edgar from from school, not Edgar that is leading the team. So where it is, we have certain policies of maybe, here's an example, no food on the floor. Uh Well, I have people that, oh, that's Edgar. So they come in and they're eating. And, and so I'm like, policy is no no food on the floor. And so now they're upset with me because they're feeling like, but you're my friend from school, how is it that it's not okay for me to go against the rules with friends? And so, how did you handle that? A whole different dynamic. Yeah. Because yeah. now I have team members that are saying, I want to see how he's going to handle this situation. And so the person I went to school with, they're saying the same thing. So when I tell them no, it's like, oh, you changed. I can't believe you're treating me like this.
0: Yeah. It's no different than when somebody becomes a, a manager from the team they were peers in. Right. Now all of a sudden, yeah, you because know, they're it. friends with some of their team members and now they're a manager. Yep. It's very similar. I would say that's probably the hardest transition to make is becoming a manager of a team you were previously in. Yes, I would agree. Right. How did you approach that? How did you manage that?
1: I wouldn't say that I approached it in the best way. I did what I thought was right, because I knew one of two things were going to happen. I wasn't going to please everyone. Right? So I tell the person I went to school, I tell them, no, like this is the policy. I do gain the respect of the other team members. But I also have this person that is upset. And the reason why I say I don't feel like I approached it in the best way possible because I approached it in this is the policy, take it or leave it, as opposed to having a conversation with this individual and establishing where we stand. And this is not anything against you. So I didn't have any type of conversations. And so, one of the things that I've learned with dealing with people and just trying to lead, lead people, having a clear conversation with people really clears up a lot of things and it can avoid problems and challenges that are unnecessary. So for me, it was just, hey, no eating on the floor. You need to take that and throw it in the garbage can. And I left it at that and not really had the conversation. So yes, I did gain the respect of some other team members, but they also looked at as he's stern, he's strict. That's it. It was just black and white. And I don't think
0: that's the best way to lead. I completely agree. So many managers come in, new managers, right? And They just take the approach, well, I'm just going to manage the process because that's the easy way, quite honestly. And anybody could do that. Anybody can commit. Anybody. Anybody could do that, right? Yeah. But it's being able to move beyond that. And it's not that you're discounting the processes and the procedures are there for a reason, but it's how you manage with that, with your people, right? And and it is interesting what you said about people are looking at you as a new leader. How are you going to handle this? It's not about what you say in the beginning, right? It's more about your actions and what you do. Yes,
1: and so I go back and I look at it now, and I'm like, just like you said, Rob. So for me, I always tell people and newer leaders or leaders that I'm helping to coach or train, uh, mentor. It's managed to policies and procedures, but you lead people. You can't manage people, and I think that's what I was trying to do in the beginning. I was trying to manage people. Again, this this is the policy. This is how it goes and not having any type of dialogue or conversation with them as an individual and as a person, and you have to be able to know how to have effective communication with the people that you're leading in order for them to not only just say they respect you, but they trust you and they are bought into the vision that we all have as a team.
0: Yeah. Which takes a lot of time. It's a lot of time that you have to invest upfront to get to know your people and have these discussions. Yes. Right. And even trying to articulate that that vision, which I actually struggled with that early on. I had a, a vision and trying to get your people to follow it. How was your success with that in terms of getting people behind your vision?
1: One of the last teams I had when I was in formal leadership, it was getting to know the people and understanding where their strengths are. And then helping to best position them to create success for themselves, but also add the greatest value to the goal that we have. Getting them to see the reason why we're here, because I don't think that that's established either at times. It is, this is my job and I'm coming in day in and day out and I'm just here to do my job. I say, okay, we have to establish what are we here for? What are your individual goals? How can we best assist you to get to that? But understanding that your goals There has to be a measure of understanding that we have a goal as a team as well. And you're not going to be able to reach your ultimate goals without buying into the goal that we have as a team. What I'm going to do is help best position you to reach success for yourself, but you have to understand that is also going to include you adding the best and greatest value to the goal that we have as a team.
0: I completely agree. And it's so interesting that you say that, right? So you focus on the individual, is what I'm hearing, it still goes back to the individual. Even as a team goal or a corporate goal, you're still focusing on the individual.
1: Yes, the individual wants to know that you care about me. Yes, I know that you care about the vision and I know that you care about the goal. And as a leader, I know that you care about the goal for the organization, but do you care about me? When I started to show them that I care about them as individuals, Mm -hmm. then they started to say like, okay, he's for me, we're in this together. And so one of the things that I saw that was creating a disconnect with my team is whenever I use the word employee, in their mind, it created a level of separation. It was like, okay, I'm just here to do what he says. And he's over here just looking at me as, okay, you go do this based on my commands. So I started to change my language and I started to say team members. Anytime that I was reading a memo or anything like that, they always knew that if I said, I was going to catch myself and say, I'm sorry, I'm the team members. Because just by me changing that language, it changed the vision of how they saw me and how they saw us in this together. So just that small thing. But again, it came by having conversation yeah. with my team and understanding, again, what motivates them, what inspires them, what makes them feel like, hey, like, I'm not a part of this having those type of conversations and just understanding that it was just a slight change in language of the way that I said things, that that actually changed the way that they viewed me as a leader.
0: All right. So here's a real important lesson for those out there who might be new to leading words do matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? right. Absolutely. That is such a great example of how words really do matter. Yeah. And it just changes even a little bit of how your team members, I'm not going to say employees, how your team members look at you. Everyone knows who the leader is. Like,
1: <laughs> I don't think there's days anymore where you're sitting outside, you have the office here and it says bluffs right. on, the, on, on the door. Like Everybody knows. And so there's no need to continue to put that out there. And then it also made it feel like for them, I work for you. We all work for the organization. We're in this together. Right. We hold different roles. But I also tell them like, your role is no less in value than my role. Like we're all adding value to the organization. And so for that aspect, it is, I don't want you to feel like inferior because of me saying that you're an employee and it made it seem like you're my employee. No, we're team members. Words do matter. That was an important lesson I know for myself to
0: learn. When I was in in the warehouse, I had a supervisor that was in the office, right? And everyone knew the supervisor was there. That's the boss. But there was another supervisor, who the afternoon shift, actually, and sometimes I would work the afternoon shift, and that individual was always on the floor. In fact, I, this is going to sound crazy, but I was trying to learn how to drive a forklift, and it was the supervisor that walked over, I remember this vividly now, that actually took the time out to, to show me, and I felt like it was more like a partnership. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, words matter, and, and that's what employees are really looking at. They want to know that you care about them.
1: Who is was it? Maya Angelou said, People will forget what you say. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. That's right. I think that's a part of it is just making them feel a part of what we have and knowing that they're adding value to the goal that we have.
0: Yeah. Words matter and it gets back to the individual. Some of your approach revolves around pouring, pushing, and pulling. Yes. Is, is that tied into this? It does. When
1: you think about it as leaders, I say there's three things that we're constantly doing, and it is we're pouring, we're pulling, and we're pushing. I think when we're effective leaders, those are the three things that we're doing. And the pouring part is we're pouring into individuals because we understand where they are as people. We understand maybe some of the things that they're going through. I don't ever want it to be an afterthought that I find out that one of my team members was having some personal challenges, and I never took the time to get to know them. To know some of the things that were going on, to where they felt comfortable talking to me about those personal challenges that they're having. Now, are they going to tell me everything? No. And I'm not looking for them to necessarily say, tell me all of their secrets and everything. It's not that. But wanting them to feel comfortable enough to say, like, if they have a challenge that's impacting them coming in to do their job to the best of their ability, I want to know about those things. I've had team members on my team to where. They were going through some situations that was very personal, but felt comfortable enough to share those. So now I can pour into them when I see that they're having challenging days, right? I see just by the look on their face that, okay, hey, maybe these are one, this is one of those days to where they're having a challenge. So being able to pull them to the side and say, oh, are you okay? How are things today? Like, is it today a better day? Or so that's the pouring part. But then we're also, pulling. We're pulling the, the, you know, the greater out of them at times to where we know that, okay, they're just not hitting the mark right now. But because of the established relationship that we have, we can go to them and say, man, okay, everything okay? Oh, everything's okay. Okay, well, seems like we may be slipping in this area. So tell me, is there something that I can do to help you? All right, to help you get back to where you were on the ascent. Cause right now maybe the numbers are declining. Maybe that wasn't your best. But maybe this past week, it seems that you stalled out a little bit. So is there anything that I can do to assist you? So being able to pull out a little bit more from them and say, I know you got a little bit more. I know, you know what I'm saying, you can do more than what we're doing right now. And then the last thing is we're pushing. We see the greater potential in them. We see opportunities for them to now make a different impact, maybe a greater impact on the organization. We see an opportunity for them to maybe go into a different role that's going to allow them to add even more value. Also create even more success for themselves, promotions, going to a different role within the organization. So now we're pushing them to the next level of their potential and saying, you know what? I see see a little bit more for you. So how can I assist you with getting there? Right? Is this an opportunity that you feel that you would be interested in? Hey, I saw a great role. And based on the skills and talents and how you've added value to this team, I think that would be great for you. So just something I want you to think about is I can get some more information. So now helping to push them to the next level. So as a leader, I think those are things that we're constantly doing. And they're always working towards, again, adding success for the individual, but also adding value to the team and the goal that we have. And I think that to me is one of the areas that's a foundation for me of I got to be pouring, pulling and pushing my team, but also understanding that now, again, it takes something away from me as well. And so that's where I go back to as a leader. We also have to be able to recharge, replenish and rejuvenate ourselves.
0: That's so true. It does take a lot out of us. It can be exhausting. And if we're not taking the time for ourselves, it, it will have an impact, negative impact on those that rely on us both professionally and personally. Yes. Yes. definitely. I have to say, I love how you just framed that all up because the way you captured it is basically the foundation of leading people. I just never heard it structured that way, the pouring, pushing, and pulling. And I think that is a very simple framework that any new leader or even a tenure leader can latch onto. I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Yeah, thank you, Robin. I was doing a workshop the other day, and one of the things we talked about in branding, you know, appearance. My take on appearance is not just strictly focused on how a person dress. I like, do they have on the suit? Do they have on the formal wear? That really goes to the organization. I said, is it a part of your brand? You can make it a part of your brand, but I said, let me ask you a question. Do we know what Warren Buffett wears on a daily basis? Do we? not think that Warren Buffett is successful, right? And, but when we look at Steve Jobs, we know when he was doing presentations, right? He had on the black, black yeah. turtleneck or the black sweater. He made it a part of the brand. And so I was just saying like, I'm not necessarily focused on the dress piece, but you can make it a part of that. But I'm talking about physical demeanor, mm. right? Body language, when I'm talking about the appearance, that being a part of your brand, when you're in meetings, are you alert, right? Are you focusing on what's being said? Are you engaged in the conversation? That's one of the things I talked about. And so I tell the story because I had one of the attendees afterwards. They said, yeah, but you know the physical, you know the way that a person dresses, because if they started out in the interview one way, and then now all of a sudden they're coming in and maybe their hair is all over the place. I said, well, this is the one thing I want you to think about. And this is what I would tell any leader. If you ever see a change in pattern such as that, You now have to go and have that conversation with your team member because it can't, it may not be that, Hey, I just don't care. Maybe they have now gone through a personal situation that is impacting them to where maybe they don't have the time. Maybe they don't have the additional clothing. Mm -hmm. We just never know what a person's going through. What, What if their house burned down and they lost all of their belongings? That's right. But if we don't take the time to look at that and say, you know what? I see a change in pattern here. This is out of the norm let me just not assume that they just don't care and they're just, this is what they want to do. Let me go and have a conversation with them. And again, that goes to that number one piece of pouring, mm-hmm. Right. Let me go and find out if there's anything that's going on to where I can potentially help and assist in this situation and not just assume. So that will be the first thing that I will tell them. the individuals like, okay, yeah, I never really thought of it in that way. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, again, those are the foundational pieces, but that's one thing that I would tell Lindy Leader if you ever see a change in pattern from a team member, please take the time to to have that type of conversation. But it's hard to do if you've never established that from the beginning.
0: So true. It's so true. You need to invest that time up front. Yes. Right. Impacts all the decisions moving forward. Absolutely. All right. La- last question for you. Just going back to how you were fired and Even going through that experience, it impacted you today as a leader as well and probably helped shape and mold you. I take, at this point, responsibility for some of the
1: things that occurred. And it's not that I'm saying like, well, I just haven't gotten to the point where I will accept it all. I do know that it was, yes, partly my fault because I made it easy for what was said about me to be believable. The way that I approached work, I didn't have, I would say, core values. I just went in, hey, I got a job, I'm doing it to the best of my ability, and I wanted to see change. I didn't think that the way that things were done in the warehouse were the most fair. And so I wanted to see change, but I went about it in the wrong way. I took an attitude approach of it should be this way because I said it should be this way. And the way that y'all are doing things are wrong. Not realizing that Edgar's name wasn't on the building. This was not Edgar's company. (laughs) So based on that, when they said, hey, Edgar, you need to get your stuff and leave, uh, reality set in at that point. And it was like, okay, so I don't really run things here. But again, I made it easy for them to believe it because of the attitude that I had. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to some of the things that I talk about when it comes to branding, how do people view you? And the way that they viewed me was he's a person that has an attitude. Like he'll he'll go from zero to 60, just like that. and Yeah, he'll go by the rules, but if there's any way that he can bend them, he'll do it. Not to the detriment of anyone, but for the benefit of himself. Just the way that I approach things, when it did come up to where they said, hey, he did this, it was easy for them, for the upper leadership to believe that because it was like, that's the way he carries himself. Yep, I can see that happening. They went in and even though what was said about me wasn't the truth, it was believable. It was the perception that I gave off now had become reality for them, mm. right? And so they saw it and was like, oh yeah, that's easy to believe. He did it. I'm pretty sure he did that. They fired me. and So I, I learned lessons at that point of how you carry yourself daily
0: mm.
1: now starts to create what is known about you. What is your brand? That's one of the things I did the branding presentation on that. Yeah. What is your brand?
0: So if you had an employee like the Edgar of years ago, how would you approach
1: Wow. Apply. Wow. Man, that might be a million million dollar question, Rob. I would now let me first say this. If I had to say, what I want an Edgar on my team? No. If I had that choice. Not to say that I don't want to work with people, but I made it challenging. I made a challenging environment for my leaders and even some of my team members. If they saw things on the side of leadership, I just I didn't agree with them. Uh, not to say that I was mean to them in any way. It was just, I wasn't trying to establish relationships with them. I felt like you were on the other side. It was us against them. That's how I looked at it. And so now, as I look back on it, I did have some leaders that I felt in that environment, they wanted better for me. Hmm. They just didn't know how to pull the best out of me. My exterior was so rough Hmm. that I just... I just, I like it. if it didn't go the way that I wanted to, or if you were not talking the language that I felt, I just didn't, I didn't want to hear it. But I don't think that anyone maybe took the time to get to know me. So if I had to lead an Edgar today, my first thing would be going back to, let's establish the communication between that individual. Let me build the relationship with them. Let me go in and find out what drives Edgar. Were there some things that maybe you're bringing in, maybe from another organization that you feel this organization is not doing? How could we maybe do some things better? Or let's have some conversation about some of the things that you say that you don't feel are fair or correct. And let's have some dialogue about it. Maybe I can shed some light on some things. And so I I would say having the conversation. And when I look back on it, no one ever had the conversation with me to learn about Edgar and the reason why Edgar felt that way. And so that's how I would approach it. But again, I take that responsibility on myself for what I created around me. And it was easy for them to
0: believe. Sure. So first of all, I appreciate the humility coming out of you and appreciate you sharing that story. Easy to see how that has shaped and molded you, right? In terms of even the three Ps you talked about, pushing, pulling, and pouring, right? And there was a couple of things that really resonated with me when you shared that story. First of all, again, taking ownership for a part of it, right? For what you owned, that's the humility in you. There are probably maybe a couple of leaders who wanted what was best for you, but didn't know how to do that. And I think that is a consistent theme, which is sad. So many leaders really just don't know, don't have the tools or the know-how. And you going through that experience definitely helped shape and mold you and it's probably made you the leader who you are today quite yeah. honestly so well Edgar, i truly appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey loved everything you had to talk about and for those of you out there who are interested in reaching out to egger we'll leave all of his contact information in the show notes egger Thanks again for coming on. Love to get you back on in the future and jam some more.
1: Thank you, Rob. Great conversation. I really appreciate it. Appreciated the questions. Those are some new questions that I received, but I think it's going to add some value to someone that's listening. So I appreciate you. I appreciate just the dialogue, and the way that you go about the jam session. So I had a great time and would love to come back at any time.
0: Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, Be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.